In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. While we often think of these two spaces as being separate from one another, that was not always the case. The Bible tells us that God planted a garden, and in this garden, heaven and earth were not separate spaces, but they were one in the same. This garden was a place of beauty, goodness, innocence, and abundance. It was a place where God and humankind lived together. God shared his garden with the people he created. But it wasn't a space where we sat around and did nothing. We were given a job to do. Our job was to care for the garden, to nurture and cultivate it, and most importantly, to expand it. You see, the Bible makes it clear that when God created everything and planted the garden, he didn't think of his creation as the final and complete product, but instead, it was the start of a project, a project that involves us. God's project was to make a home with his creation. While this home started in the garden, the plan was that God and humans would work together to make the whole earth their home, the whole world filled with beauty, goodness, innocence, and abundance. The problem is we haven't been the best partners in God's project. Rather than participate with him in spreading the garden, humans have done a lot to destroy the beauty, goodness, innocence, and abundance in the world. What is so shocking about all this is despite often failing to partner with God in this project, he has not stopped wanting to partner with us. God is still working on the project that he set out to do at the beginning, and he still invites us to partner with him in it. He invites us to work with him to overcome brokenness with beauty, to overcome evil with goodness, to overcome corruption with justice, and to overcome scarcity with abundance. The Bible ends with a promise that one day God's project will be complete, that he will make his home here with his creation forever, that the whole earth would be filled with beauty, goodness, innocence, and abundance. This podcast tells the stories of people who are taking part in God's project, people who are using their talents, passions, and profession to work towards this promise. This is The Garden Project. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is episode five of the Garden Project podcast. My name is Charlie Deaver, and today I am uh, here with my good friend, Daniel Carter. Uh, I've known Daniel now for, man, probably eight years, uh, and it's uh, just really enjoyed uh, getting to know this guy over the years, seeing the journey that he's been on. Um, I don't know if there's uh, been someone in my life that's been as encouraging uh, to me as Daniel has been, um, as honest with me as Daniel has been. And, uh, and I'm just super grateful for you and your presence in my life uh, and the times that we've, we've spent together over the years. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, man. One of the things I admire the most about you and, and what we're talking about today is uh, your willingness to, to really go anywhere to yeah. meet people 
where they're at. You, uh, you see the people that are often overlooked, um, or, or are ignored or are even like, uh, despised or, or disliked and you step into their lives and you are present with them. You spend time with them. You love them uh, for who they are. And, uh, there's so many ways that I've seen that. It's not my job to tell your story. <laughs> I'll let you do that. Um, but, but man, there, I don't think there's anyone that does that better than you. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm super grateful that you've, you're willing to talk about. Those are really that. big words to have to live up to now. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. That's the point, right? <laughs> um, but I'll let you do the talking. Um, thanks for being here. Uh, just course, why don't you man. start by just giving us uh, a little bit about your story uh, and how God has, has worked in you to bring you to the place that you are now. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. So I, um, I come from Spokane, Washington. I was born and raised there pretty much. Uh, I, um, my dad left early, um, after I was born. So about six or seven, I had a stepdad come into my life and, you know, I, it seemed, things seemed normal while I was younger, but as I, as I got older, I started to see things, um, just like, no, I walked in on abuse before in my home, my mom being abused. Uh, we had locks on the outside of our door and and just just stuff that I can look back on now and say, well, that was that was not was not the best way of going about things, I don't think. But anyways, going to the future a little more, about 12 years old, my my stepdad left my mom, left my mom in a very heavy state of depression. Um, they, they had four kids together. So it was me and four other siblings and uh, the house was just insane. I remember growing up in, in a really messy home where I was embarrassed to have friends over or anything and just really grew up as an outcast. Uh, um, memories of going to school and being made fun of, uh, for the type of clothes I wore and things like that. So, by the age of 13, I started really acting out and just trying to do things on my own. Uh, truly, my story is all about acceptance, this, this desire of acceptance ever since not having my dad. Um, I remember waiting for my dad to come every maybe once a month if he did. And um, it really, it really, uh, it really put some a desire in me to just just be embraced by people and so that started taking me down a path of smoking doing drugs alcohol and things so at the time by the time I turned age 15 I was going to juvenile for the first time for actually st stealing from my own mom to get myself an outfit to look cool and after that first time it just became a cycle of me stealing to get what I want trying to become this person uh to by the time I'm 18, I'm pretty much just on the streets, um, trying to do that on a daily basis. And uh, as we keep going forward, uh, I, I ended up getting involved with drugs and about 20 something, uh, I got married to a woman and we started by doing pills and then we had children together and I kept going down that road of drugs and heroin came into the picture uh, and then methamphetamine came into the picture to the point where about nine years ago um, 
I lost everything. I lost my wife, my kid, my kids, and everything that I had because I went down this road of meth addiction, and I ended up being homeless and losing my mind and um, just just so far gone and just back in and out of prison and jail. Just the majority of my life, that's what it was. Man, thanks for sharing all that. Um, I, I wonder... Uh... In this place, I mean, you, you, and I know there's more to your story and, and you're not going into all the details just for, for time's sake, but you're, you're on and off the streets in and out of prison, um, you know, real place of, of brokenness and, and, yeah. uh, how you have, an, there's an amazing story of, uh, I mean, a transformation, obviously, just from looking at you now, you know, nine, 10 years later, um, when did that first begin to happen? When did God uh, uh, meet you where you're at and, and begin to do a work in you? I'd say there was always a little bit of a presence of God. Maybe it wasn't always um, the truth I needed, but, um, you know, I, I grew up in a home that did have beliefs um, of, of Christ. It was, you know, um, but I never really took it in or chose to follow it but when I started going to jail um I started meeting meeting people in there that would come up and they would pray with inmates and they would just have conversations with me and they wouldn't treat me differently just because I was in jail and um and then some of the inmates we started doing a little bible study and and so that's where it all started I gained this knowledge of the word and I fell in love with it and and so that that's where I, I would say he met me at first. And the thing is, is I didn't didn't stay with him though. I kept going back to what I knew, to what I thought was the only life I could have. But he never stopped coming after me. Do you have a story of of maybe someone in your life through that time that, despite you know it's a, it's a long journey, you keep going back to drugs and and going back to to making not so great choices. Was there anyone uh, who just stuck with you through that, showed persistence through that and didn't give up on you or, or kind of cast you aside because, you know, you slipped back into that? There, there was a pastor in Spokane who, who really desired to see, see me and my wife at the time get better. And he actually took us in and, risked a lot and gave us a little space in his garage to stay and for months um he just he loved on us and just cared for us even though we were still in addiction um he he just he just showed us what what it means for me i'll still talk about that i'll still talk about the experiences with him because that's the jesus i read about like that's 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 what I knew Jesus desired of his followers is to love those that are in their lowest points. And, and he was just such an example of that, even to um, putting up money to get us into a new place and to be in there when I was having mental battles of, um, you know, going through, going crazy because of the drugs. He was there for so much of that. And uh, that's something that I'll always recall in my daily walk with with the Lord is like how he, he loved me despite mm. how much 
I messed up and how much I, I did wrong even, even though he was still trying to help. I think we all, it's so easy for us to fall into this idea that, you know, we're, say we're helping someone or, or someone's in a tough place and, and we're caring for them, loving on them, and we don't see a lot of change or immediate change. We're very quick to give up and move on. And I see in you just a persistence and, and, a, and a, a persistent hope that change and growth is a long journey and it looks different for everyone. Uh, yeah. And sometimes you take, you know, a step forward and two steps back. But uh, in your life, you've had people in your life. And, and most importantly, God, uh, you can say honestly that despite your, you've fallen back into stuff or, or the long journey and at times frustrating, I'm sure, uh, he was always there and was always loving you through people yeah. in times where it's just you and him, you know, all that. How has that impacted just moving, moving ahead to, to your life now? And I mean, this is your, your journey. I mean, it's, it hasn't been that long. Uh, your life looks a whole lot different now than it <laughs> yeah. did, you know, eight, nine years ago. Uh, you moved to Chicago to live with a friend to kind of get away from, from some of that stuff. Yeah. That's where we met. Um, and I remember the first time I met you, uh, you had such a passion for people. Uh, I think a lot of times when we think about, you know, being a Christian, being in the church, it's a lot of sitting around working on yourself, Yeah, you know, get, get becoming a better person, uh, yourself and not mm -hmm. focus so much on, on others. And yeah. you, you, uh, it seemed to me and, and, you know, maybe you can bring some light to this. Like you were, you were totally focused on others from the start, you know, from right when I met you, you were, you were just so compassionate, caring yeah. about others, wanting to be a part of what God was doing in the lives of others while he was working on you. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get the sense of like, I, I couldn't see you saying, man, I'm just working on me right now. Just, yeah. just improving well, myself. Uh, you yeah, know, when so. I, when I finally got to Illinois, I, and I was like, okay, something needs to change, so I'm going to get back involved with the Lord and start reading the Word and get connected to a church here locally. And, it, you know, all that reading and stuff in jail and prison, the past, it just kind of hit me. And I was like, now's my chance to truly live this thing out mm. without going back to my old ways because I don't know nobody. It's a, it's a whole new start. And so the Lord really just lifted me up and it helped me hit the ground running on that and and so i that's i just wanted to make him known and i just wanted people to know like man no matter what you've been through no matter how many bad choices you've made like there there's a there's a way to start again there's a way to continue um even out of that darkness and actually i believe that he he use he uses those things to help us be better at um, advancing his word, his gospel. So how how is your story and and experiencing both God and and others just meeting you in hard places where you're at, caring for you, loving you, uh, without the expectation that uh, 
you know, they'll get anything out of it or there'll be this massive transformation right away. Mm -hmm. uh, um, how has that impacted how you live your life now? How, who you interact with, the spaces you interact in? I want you to just give us a picture of that. Yeah, I think through my experience with homelessness, it made me realize how much judgment there is just because someone's in a certain position. And so for me, um, I, I just never wanted to fall into that where I base my descriptions of people on appearance. And so that's really what it's been is I, being open to engage and have conversations with people no matter how different they might look to me, no matter where they might be in their life at this moment, and just embrace them as they are and, and learn that I'm not there to change them. I'm just there to love them. Um, Jesus never like forced people to change. He, he said that we should you know, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand, but he never pushed that on anybody. It was more of an invitation. Come follow me. Um, it, was, it could be a scary invitation. Come follow me and die, deny yourself. But it, it, in actuality, it was a beautiful uh, invitation. I think you said something earlier about um, how you, know, you saw that I didn't really focus in on self. And I think that's something that I'm still in the process of learning and applying daily in that is, you know, instead of fo if we want to focus on ourselves so often, like that's the mindset we go to, like I want to better myself. But one of the best ways we're going to actually experience change in ourselves is looking outwards and pouring into others. That's going to bring about something in us that will change our whole t whole entire mindset, our heart and everything. Because that's, that's what Jesus was trying to teach us. He wasn't teaching us it's inward self-help. He was trying to teach us that outwardly pouring outwardly is what's going to help build you up and i'm not speaking negatively i think we need to take that time because jesus even showed us that like he went alone and he prayed he went alone away from people but he spent majority of his time pouring into others and that's something i'm still trying to process today and put into action moved here to Knoxville uh, I the, you moved a couple months before me and I, I at least in what you were telling me you know you moved to a new city we're, we're here to start a church together and it's like you know you want to connect with people and and I I know the first place you went was the bridge on Broadway <laughs> Ave where you know on any given day there's a couple hundred yeah. people uh, yeah. that are living on the streets you know under that bridge and and just going to spend time with people there. Yeah. Like that's that's where you, you know, you're drawn. And, and I yeah. think that's so cool. And, and one of the ways that our relationship got so strong is because you and my wife, Nicole, you know, uh, started a kind of grassroots ministry through our church back in Chicago, going downtown, uh, you know, just caring for, loving on the yeah. people that are on the streets. And I, I remember, you know, because we do through Hope Knoxville, we do uh, a lot of things with, with uh, homeless ministries and that sort of thing. And I'll get people asking me a lot, you know, what, like, how it's a, it's an unfixable problem. You know, yeah. people feel that way. And so they're, they're like, what do you, what do you do? Like, how do you 
fix it. And I always say, and I think I got it from you, whether explicitly or just by the way you live, is like, I, I always tell them the first thing you need to do is restore or help restore their dignity. Yeah. Because that is something that they've lost. We, still we've taken, yeah, yeah. exactly. Regardless we look if they're at them trying as, to change or not. Yeah. Yeah. We treat them as last. In, <clears throat> in our desire to care for and be compassionate towards the people, we're, we're actually looking at them with a sense of pity yeah. that is dehumanizing. Um, and man, you, you see the human, uh, humanity in all people. And I love that about you. Try, you know, you do, you I mean, I think, I think no one's ever going to be perfect at that, but you know, one reason I was excited about sharing is that I, if we, if we, as people, as followers of Jesus, just put down our judgments and our criticisms, mm-hmm. we will be able to learn a lot. Like what I've experienced since getting clean and sober is work busyness craziness and that's that's like this mind frame of go 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 but when we stop and we have conversations with these people that don't have that or they don't you know have nice they they learn to appreciate life in the lowest situations and the hardest situations and there's something beautiful there and i think I kind of, I'm kind of jealous that Jesus got to live in the time he did because it was kind of everyone was almost on that same field and um, so everyone kind of knew you know but now you know we have such different you know there's poverty and there's the wealthy and everyone views your status at that but honestly I think you'll you can learn more from sitting with those that have experienced the hardest times in their life than than you can in anywhere else that's really good man well turn into something different um and it kind of goes along with you you uh you're you talking about being present with people uh gaming yeah. it's not something that's often yeah. uh celebrated in the church yeah um you have some great stories <laughs> about what god has done through gaming so yeah. just tell us a little bit about that and how that's become yeah. a ministry for first you. off I'll, I'll destroy anyone at a 1v1 on Fortnite. of course no i'm just kidding i'm not that good <laughs> um <laughs> but anyways that that is the game first off you know people give it a hard time because they're like oh that's a kid's game i've been playing it for about four years now and um and I came across some guys about three years ago, I'd say, and we just really hit it off. They're, you know, they're my age, um, but we all lived in different areas. They were already friends, and I just kind of became a part of the, the group. And and throughout the years, it's, it's just been crazy to see how open and honest we've been. Uh, they've They've been open that they struggled with certain things in their lives, and I've been able to be there for them. Um, it's it's like we know we can call each other if we're in a real hard time, and we have. We have laughed together, uh, talked smack to each other, and we've cried and we've prayed together. And honestly, it is and it's in, it's crazy to me because you would never think that you'd be able to form those types of bonds or even share Jesus in those ways. A lot of these guys, they, they, they always had the presence of God in their life as well, but, but um, they didn't, they're not like very outspoken about it all the time, but they will have, will have conversations about it. And it's just so beautiful. Uh, it's like those, it just is another thing where you, it's an unlikely place where you can actually 
that is actually could be used a ministry. It could be an outlet to share Jesus's love with others. And I think it goes along with what I was saying about judgment earlier. Is like we we can take these certain areas and be like, well, that that's probably not where God wants us. But any there's any outlet in this world that God can use. It could be gaming. It could be you know. You know, I've heard of people going to the strip club to preach Jesus. That's not my ministry, but there, there's outlets everywhere, and we should never count any of them out. Like Jesus is everywhere, and Jesus wants us to go everywhere. Man, thank you for sharing those stories. Um, as, as we come, I know you have so many more, but uh, for time's sake, we'll we'll uh, come to a close. Probably have to have you back on at some point. Uh, but as we come to a close here, I'd love to hear. Um, how do you think that this way of life, this calling that, that you have on, on your life uh, to be with people wherever they're at, to be present with people, how does it reflect God? How does it reflect his nature and how he in, engages with us? So I believe how I try to live uh, reflects God's nature is really summed up in Matthew 25. Uh, it talks about how Jesus tells this parable about when um, he comes back. What's always stuck to my heart is what he says, and it really does show his character and what he desires of us. And he said, the king will say to those on his right, those are the ones you know, being embraced by him, come you are who blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom um, prepared for you for the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And people are going to be like, what are you talking about? We never did any of those things to you. And then he's going to go on to say, "When, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you were doing it to me. And I think that really reflects all of Jesus's ministry, all through what we see out the Bible is this is is this God seeking to love and care for people that others find that others might not consider or love or or that thinks their way out, you know. Um, and that 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 goes for people like me who grew up in really hard past, and people that grew up in Christian homes because we all have these battles, and I believe we all struggle with this 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 this. This battle in our heads of are we good enough? And there's this God that's coming after us saying, no, but I am, and I love you, and I care for you, and I'm going to embrace you where you're at. And I think that that's what really reveals his character. It's just he's a caring God that wants to seek those that feel lost, and I think we've all felt lost at one point. What would happen if we all started to do this and, and took this more seriously and took time to be present with people that get overlooked, um, took time to meet people wherever they were at, not waiting for them to change or come into our space. I would say that it would probably reduce a lot of fear that I've experienced in the church. It would open our eyes um, to see the realities instead of the stories. I remember hearing stories of, you know, even when I just moved here to Knoxville, how 
uh, scary downtown can be. And then you go down there and you experience it, and it's like, oh, I love this place. And I'm not saying that's going to be that way for every single area. I think we have to be wise, but I think we have to be willing to. I think that uh, a lot of times we allow fear to stop us from trying to ask that homeless guy that's holding the sign, hey, what's your name? You know, can I sit down and have a coffee with you or something? And maybe that's not how everyone should go about it. But I think that we'll be able to learn to love more when we fear less. And it that's, that's a hard place to get to. Because even I, with my background, I still fear doing those things at times. I feel like the church is... Uh, come to me situation a lot of the times and that's with all love and respect i love the church i love the people of the church but i feel like the church has become really good at either come to us or we'll go to you for a one-time thing and then move on and uh, I, i don't see jesus doing that and i think that's why i struggle with the church a lot is because Jesus invested. He took time. He, he, he didn't expect a one and done. Uh, in fact, he, he invited people to follow him and until he died. And I think that that's something that I struggle with internally. And I, I ask myself, what does it look like to do that with people? Because I'm not good at that. I'm not good at keeping up with people either, myself all the time. But um, it's something I'm working on. What would you say to uh, someone who is hearing what you're saying and want, you know, wants to, to practice this in their lives, uh, but is, is worried about, you know, maybe that person that they'd spend a bunch of time with and they just think nothing will ever change, you know, um, I think a lot of people view the homeless in that way. I, I, you know, it's, it's not that there's a lot of different scenarios in which we can approach people in that way. But I, I think some of us kind of see the hopelessness in a lot of situations and want to throw up our hands and be like, well, why, why do this? I told the story earlier about the pastor and that has been stuck in my head since getting sober. So just imagine that your small acts of kindness and your small acts of love and reaching out to people, that could eventually, that, that might be you in their lives someday. Um, not saying that that's the goal, but I think that loving people where they're at, um, you, you got to show yourself grace. And, and it, it's just about trying to be obedient to what I read earlier. It's, you know, Jesus didn't say, well, only if they change, give them something to eat. Only if they change, visit them in prison. He said, just do it. And I think it's just being obedient to him where in his word he says to do something. And that's something we, we don't like to do all the time. <laughs> but it's something we should all strive to. But yeah. like I said, that, that word grace is so important in all of it because we will never get it right. I never get it right. And you got, we got to learn how to show ourselves grace and mercy just like we want to learn to give it. Man, thank you so much for the encouragement. As always, like love hearing you speak. Oh man, you I got, love being here. You got a lot of good things to say. Yeah, we're gonna go and have some coffee and talk for another three hours. Let's go do Sound it. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Um, love you, man. Love you too. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks again for listening to the Garden Project podcast. Uh, we tell these stories because one, we want you to imagine uh, how you can use your story and passion and gifts to join God and what he's doing in the world around you. We also tell these stories because we want to invite you in to take part in what God is doing through the lives of the people that we're interviewing. And one way you can do that is through the Garden Project Fund. This is a um, fund where we uh, collect donations in the weeks following each podcast in order to bless people and help uh, just just further the work that, that our interviewees are doing. Last episode, uh, we raised uh, some money to help Chris, um, who Chris Lepto, who is the nurse, uh, buy uh, gift cards for every nurse on his floor. We were able to buy uh, Starbucks gift cards, uh, $10 Starbucks gift cards for 50 nurses um, at the UT Medical Center, and just write them notes of encouragement. Just say uh, we're grateful for them and the work they're doing, and Chris is able able to deliver those. And that that was because of the generosity of of people listening to this podcast. Uh, this week, um, we would like to to bless Daniel and the work that he's doing, and and he uh, will often go um, and bring donuts to uh, those experiencing homelessness uh, under the bridge on Broadway here in Knoxville. And so, if you would like to contribute to that, uh, any money given in the next two weeks would would go to Daniel to help him to to do that. You can go to hopeknoxville.org backslash give. And in the giving platform, select the Garden Project Fund. All gifts are tax deductible and all gifts will go uh, to the purposes of the Garden Project. Uh, thanks again for listening and thanks for your generosity. The Garden Project Podcast is an initiative of Hope Knoxville. Hope is a family of organic, Jesus-centered communities based in Knoxville, Tennessee. For more information, visit hopeknoxville.org. Theme music for this podcast is written and produced by Brooks Coker and Freshly Squeezed Studios. The Garden Project podcast is hosted and produced by me, Charlie Deaver. Thanks for listening.